episode 58 of Friends and Film, a podcast for Carly's Movies and Theatrical Releases. I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by Josh Straley. On this episode, we're going to talk about Infinity War teaser, Han Solo casting, more updates on the Batman, and more. All before we review the Lego Batman movie and Johnny Chapter 2. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes at Friends and Film. Josh? Hey, Cooper. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to the pod. Uh, back for another one. Yeah. So, this week, Cooper, I was able to get to My Cousin Vinny. Okay. Uh, it stars Joe Pesci and Marissa Tamia, but I'm not sure. Tomei? Tomei, yeah. Aunt, Aunt Bay. Yes. <laughs> um, and I could not believe how funny it is. It's basically, it's on the list from Psych. Uh-huh. And Joe, I don't think of Joe Pesci as a comedian outside of uh, Home Alone. Uh-huh. Is that part of his role or is he more of like the mobster Irish guy? Um, I mean, I think he's both. Cause, I mean, like Lethal Weapon three, he comes in. I've seen Lethal Weapon four too. I can't remember, but I mean, he's he's the uh, he's the comedy guy in those as well. So, oh. uh, I love Joe Pesci. Yeah. Anyway, he's great in it, and I, I don't know if I can repeat this because we want to keep it family friendly yeah. on here. But when he gets into the courtroom and delivers that line, he misses the lawyer's arguments, uh-huh. and then he delivers his line. Your Honor, with all due respect, what that guy just said was <laughs> complete crap. And like, <laughs> That's great. Um, how was your week? It was good. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we uh, we got two movies to review this week. So I caught up on both uh, franchises by rewatching the Lego movie and John Wick number yes. one, uh, which was both uh, both fantastic as they have been in the past. But I also watched Lion, uh, the oh, Dave Patel, Patel yes. nominated movie. It's very good. Uh, Tearjerker. Like, Everyone says it's yeah, brutal. Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, it's pretty brutal. Like it's kind of in the same like same state of uh, Moonlight, where it's it's almost split up in two in two acts instead of three with mm-hmm. Moonlight. So Dave Patel plays the same character that um, the younger kid plays as well. So, but like the journey of him like losing his family, getting adopted. And then trying to find his way back yeah. is, I mean, yeah, it's incredible. Oh man, I can't wait to get my um, get that in front of me. And the other one I just watched, I, fin- I watched this morning actually was uh, the Impossible, uh, J. A. Bayona's uh, like action thriller uh, disaster movie, uh, stars Ewan McGregor uh, and Tom Holland and uh, Naomi Watts. That's and, a good cast. Yeah, and it's it is incredible, like probably the best movie i saw this week seriously yeah it makes me like super pumped to see what biona can do for jurassic world too because if he can replace a tsunami with dinosaurs and have that same fear and in the characters Mm -hmm. i think he's gonna knock it out of the park well he's working with a great cast too so yeah that's gonna be great yeah so uh as far as this week goes we are gonna review lego batman movie and john Wick chapter two as said before but we're going to start with some news before we get to those reviews. If you want to skip straight to those reviews, there will be a timestamp in the description of this episode. But hopefully you will stick around for the news. And we start with the flyby where we just give you know quick takes on updates on some interesting stories. And one that caught my eye this week was uh, Warner Brothers CEO uh, Kevin Sutahara saying that he is pushing for WB Films to become more accessible on homes earlier than the 90-day period that's typical for like DVD and uh, digitals. That sounds great. What are we talking? What's the details uh, here? The details are, according to this proposal, it's after 17 days of its first uh, theatrical day in theaters. Release. Yeah, sure. one of their movies you could then rent for $50 
for a 48-hour period. Uh, oh, hmm. That so, doesn't sound too bad. If you, can you get in a, can you can you get like a group price on that? Well, I, I I think that's what they're intending. Where you know, you and your family, or like you know, like if you have a family, like my family is you know six seven people in it. Same here. So if all of us went to a movie together, that's a lot of money. It's way more than fifty dollars for the for just tickets alone. Yeah. So if you can watch that same movie two and a half weeks later, in like at, at your own home. I feel like it's a good deal. Yeah, totally. I mean, I shelled out 22 bucks for two tickets to John Wick this weekend. Right. And, um, you know, metaphorical spit take. So if Warner Brothers wants to innovate, that sounds great. Yeah. Uh, going over to some actual movie-related movies uh, news, Bad Boys 3 has now been pushed back from a January 2018 release date to November 9th in 2018. Uh, and as a result, Bad Boys 4, which is initially supposed to come out in 2019, is now without a release date. Uh, so, what do you think of mm. the future of the Bad Boys franchise? Uh, I mean, I never, I've never been thinking about the future of the Bad Boys franchise. Uh, but you know, if they're determined to make it, it's going to come out. But I'm not, I'm not brokenhearted here. No, me neither. I, I'm glad that they at least took Bad Boys Four off the table because, yeah, <laughs> we've seen time and time again the long-awaited sequels uh, don't necessarily always pan out the way mm-hmm. they they should. Or people hope so yep. there's no telling what bad boys 3 will do uh i figured this was because will smith was going to go on and do other projects and that's why they delayed it but that is not the case actually because deadline revealed like a couple days later that he actually passed on dumbo which uh-huh. was initially the report that will smith was going to have to choose between one or the other because they're both going to be in production at the same time so when bad boys 3 was delayed i was like oh he, he's doing dumbo now he's not so are you less excited for Dumbo? Yes, definitely. Because Will Smith playing the father figure sounded like a great idea, especially if it was opposite Tom Hanks. Right. I don't know if this makes Tom Hanks more unlikely, but Dumbo kind of got knocked down a peg in my uh, looking forward to. Yeah, because like when that initial casting reports came out, it looked like Will Smith was the one more likely to ha- happen than Tom Hanks. So if right. Will Smith fell out... There's no telling what's going to happen with Tom Hanks. Um, so we'll have to wait for further updates on that project. We don't have to wait for more updates on Rampage, however, as the Howard Reporter reported that Joe Manganiello and uh, Marley Shelton have joined the cast now uh, for the latest video game adaptation starring The Rock. Ooh. Joe Manganiello and The Rock together along with her and then Naomi Watts? Naomi Harris. Naomi Harris, yes. That that sounds great. Yeah. is uh, supposed to play like a... Uh, some like art like animal hunter or something um so i think huh. he's going to be opposite of the rock who's supposed to be like an animal lover uh so that they're, they're <laughs> going to be going against each other to try to take down their monsters i think in their own ways um i did i do think it's interesting we'll get to it later about you know the production state of the batman but yeah the fact that joe manganello got on board this project so quickly after his batman project was delayed I think shows just how long it's going to be before Batman starts production. If he's mm. going to be a central figure in this film as well. Well, it'll be interesting to take a look at. Yes. Uh, and it'll also be interesting to see who gets the director gig for Scarface with the Hyde reporter also saying that David McKenzie from Hell or High Water and Peter Berg from uh, Deepwater Horizon, Lone Survivor um, and Patriot's Day are both being eyed and are the front runners to be the new director of Scarface and they'll be using a script that was recently polished by the Coen brothers. Ooh. Well, I love all the names in that mix, but I don't know if P- 
Peter Berg can build a narrative uh, for Scarface, especially with knowing Diego Luna's in that central role. The Hell or High Water guys, I haven't seen the movie, but it's you love it. It is great. Should they get Scarface? I, I think David McKenzie would be an absolutely great choice, especially if it's him and Diego Luna based off a of Coen Brothers script. I think that's three great factors to make a great movie. Legit. Uh, and the last bit of the flyby, we have Haley Bennett uh, on her Instagram. Uh, she was in Girl on the Train. She was in The Magnificent Seven last year. She's been teasing that she may have landed a role as Catwoman in the DCEU. Ooh. Well, she can definitely pull it off. Um, probably in like my top five of choices. I think I still liked Thandie Newton when we fan cast uh-huh. a while ago. But there's no doubt Haley Bennett can get the job done, especially after Magnificent Seven. Yeah, I think that would be a great choice. I think her and Margot Robbie pair really well together if she is part of Gotham City Sirens. Uh, playing opposite of oh, her definitely. and then poison ivy whoever they cast whether that's megan fox as you know that early rumor was or it's somebody else completely different um so yeah i think she'd be great i think she definitely has the physicality the presence and she's obviously very beautiful so that's very much plays into who selena kyle is so checks all the boxes yeah. for dc's warner brother yep. you know i think it'd be a great choice uh but we also got some new trailers this week starting with the next lego movie after lego batman the Lego Ninjago movie, who got our first teaser trailer for it. What'd you think? Ah, uh, well, it started off kind of weird uh, <laughs> because it, like, you know, it gave the big conflict reveal right away. Right. But it turns out that's going to be used for jokes mm-hmm. later. Um, Dave Franco's character is the son of the, me- the evil villain of this movie. But I thought it was funny, uh, lighthearted, and uh, great. It's got uh, Kumail Nanjani from Silicon Valley voice casting it, and he's probably one of my favorite comedians on tv right now and then there's abby jacobson and uh it looks like lego's gonna have another hit on their hands yeah i thought i thought it was really funny i think it definitely surprised me i didn't think i was gonna like it as much um and I, it, I mean even after lego batman i'm like even more interested in this mm-hmm. film just because they're building a really good track record uh and yeah dave franco as like the lead i think he just his voice is, is like a perfect match for what I feel like they're going for with a kid who's like has daddy issues and like just wants to like right. get back at him. teen type deal. Right. And like the opening joke where he's like, you better run, dad. What was that? <laughs> yeah. He's like. Nothing. And then he's like, and then like the dad reveal. I think, I think that's super funny in the way like, who is this? It's me, your son. Oh, sorry, I must have butt dialed you. And it's oh, just yeah. like you could tell like that conflict's gonna play really well. And I think if they hit on that as hard as they do like Batman's insecurities mm-hmm. and stuff, I feel like it'll be another really big hit for Yeah, Lego. definitely. Especially from an unexpected source. And there's Jackie Chan playing uh the the Zen master or whatever his name's gonna be. So I think it it's got all the pieces for success. Yeah. Uh and during the Super Bowl last week, a uh, great game, by the way, oh, uh, even though I was... I could not believe that. I was really upset that the Falcons didn't pull it off. But throughout the Super Bowl, we got a lot of TV spots for upcoming movies, and we got a extended uh, spot for Pirates of the Caribbean, five dead man tell no tales. Yeah. What'd you think? Well, uh, I know what I think, uh-huh. but you're new to the franchise. This yeah. is, you've seen them all... Within the last... Six months. Yeah. What did you think? Because I think it's a great idea to see another Pirates of the Caribbean movie, but you're fresh to this. You've seen four in a row. Are you tired of it? Does it look um, like a cash grab? I. How does it make you feel? I'm not excited for this movie. Okay. I mean, they start. They try to do like the Logan thing where they put in the Johnny Cash song, yeah. slowed it down, try to make <laughs> it more like character driven. 
and I just I'm convinced Logan has convinced me that that is absolutely what that movie is going to be for the most part it's going to be a character focused piece I have no faith that that's what the Pirates of the Caribbean movie is going to be um, and I just thought it was a really weird trailer overall it focused a lot on Javier Bardem's like villain there was one quick shot of Orlando Bloom which I didn't even know was Orlando Bloom the first time I saw it because yeah. half his face is covered in seashells and I'm like Oh, who's this, who's this random pirate guy? And they're like, oh, that was Orlando Bloom. I was like, no, what? no it's not. <laughs> um, so that was like a weird choice. Like you're not going to put him front and center. Then like throughout the whole, throughout, this is like our second unofficial, this is like our second trailer, quote unquote. But we have, we've seen like just a muddied Jack Sparrow at the end of it. Like they're not even pushing that, which is weird. So I don't really know what this movie's about. It seems like the focus is more on Javier Bardem as the villain than anything else. Yeah. And I know that's not going to be the case. Even if it was, I'm. it's weird because I don't like, like the CGI doesn't look great. I wish they would have done it practical and just had his, like his face just looks so weird. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like they totally CGI'd Javier Bardem's face and says CGI and off half, half of it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's almost, it's almost as if they wanted to marry like a ghost, ghostly form along with like a physical zombie type thing. It, yeah. It looks fine if you don't look at it for too long. But right. As soon as they put him in the daylight, like they did, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm not down with it. Yeah. So but, I'm I'm not sold. But that said, Harvey Bar, Javier Bardem's Captain Salazar, Salazar, right? Salazar aside, I, I'm down for it. Okay. Yes, Will Will has uh, a fish face, and I'm really anxious to see how they <laughs> how he got that way. But uh, there's a lot of good elements in there. Um, but they didn't show us any. I mean, other than saying, oh no, the dead people own the seas now. Right. Well, how does that play out? Like there's literally 30 different countries right now at this time period out, you know, on seas. And you're telling me that no one's sailing anymore because there are fish out like, you know, the, yeah. like, so, uh, I don't know how they're going to play that off or, you know, it was an awful trailer. But I was still excited to see Jack show up at the end and be like, "Hey guys, it's gonna be okay because Jack's back with Will." So, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it still. Uh-huh. But no, this was not a good trailer, especially the Johnny Cash song, because this is like our second trailer with the Johnny Cash song, or no third. I can't think of the second, excluding Logan. But not about that at all yeah uh but we also got one before super bowl started for guys of the galaxy volume 2 ah, here we go. one that i loved a lot it's a complete opposite reaction that i had to pirates uh we got to see our first look at aisha played by elizabeth debicki the ruler of the sovereign race she's in all gold she looks menacing yeah super uh, elaborate yeah we get we got like some more plot details kind of out of it we got some new jokes uh drax seems like his comedy is even higher than it is than it was in the first movie which mm-hmm. i loved uh and it's just like it's you know it looks great like all the space stuff looks uh beautiful and then obviously james gunn has another great song in there that you're just like i already love this song i don't know the song but yeah. i i love it uh and it just ends perfectly too with <laughs> with like baby group basically cussing but not really <laughs> right <laughs> where he, he just says i'm Groot, and i was like what and Art says, he says, welcome to the frickin' Guardians of the Galaxy. Only he didn't use frickin'. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And you're just like, yes. <laughs> Baby Groot is kind of so not a... Sass. Yeah, really sassy. And I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I have the I have the, I think I have the same reaction. Um, it, Gunn definitely got the green, the green light to go to go mm-hmm. for it this time. It looks riskier. It looks funnier. Um, and just taking up... If 
Guardians of the Galaxy was already pretty high leveled. This one's taking it to the next notch. And I didn't even right. know that was possible. Aisha looks super elaborate. I don't know if I buy that. Uh-huh. Uh, like why covered in all gold? Was she made that way? I don't know. Maybe people are worshiping her as a god, which I think. She, she's like a, she's a created, the whole species yeah. is created to be a perfect form. So that's right. why they went with the gold look. Oh, interesting. I don't know. I wanna, would like to see, hopefully maybe there's an explanation for that. I, there will be, I'm sure. I don't, I'm not all about that yet. But, uh, like you said, Drax is out there. He's he's gone from being ignorant funny to like like what is this culture type uh-huh. deal to I'm gonna be the lead guy making the jokes and uh, uh, Star Lord's kind of almost looks like he's re- he's receding into the background. I noticed too in a lot of this. Uh, yeah, he doesn't have a lot of lines, but he's definitely uh, he's still gonna be the prominent yeah, Chris, guy. Chris Pratt will definitely get the acting done. Uh, but yeah, this looks great. Um, and I'm I'm really looking forward to. Uh, Seeing this in March. Uh, May. May. Yes. Yeah, I, I wish it was March. Be, only. It, We're yeah. so close. I know. I mean, it, it doesn't really have room for March because there's already so much other stuff coming of out in March. But uh, yeah, if that wasn't enough, Marvel actually made another surprise uh, last night as of the, this recording where they dropped basically an unofficial teaser for Infinity War, basically That's announcing right. the start of production. And it starts off and you see Tony Stark Peter Parker and Peter Quill standing together in costume well, partial costume, Star Lord's in full costume. The rest are like kind of hiding theirs on this like weird planet. We don't know what it is. The green screen all around. I'm just talking about how cool it is. Uh, it's from the day is from the first day of filming of January 23rd. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a couple, it's been a couple of weeks, but man, I love this video because it just got, it just got me. It gave me all the motion. Just like, I'm I'm pumped to see this movie because Marvel had a plan and they followed it and it's paying off big time and I I can't wait for it. Yeah, uh, I mean it had it had lots of it. It had Kevin Feige. It had the Russo brothers, mm-hmm. you know, talking about the theory behind the you know the Marvel Cinematic Universe yep. project, and then it gave us concept art, mm-hmm. some great concept art, especially Rocket and uh, Rocket Thor. and Thor, who is. He's he's not holding Mjolnir. He has a completely different weapon. Yeah. So that's got to be addressed in Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. There's rumors that Hela destroys Mjolnir and that's and then banishes Thor. So he's without the hammer. So how does he go from not having a hammer to getting a whole new weapon? Yeah. Hopefully it means Beta Ray Bill's involved somehow, but that's yeah. a different conversation. Battling back to back, which is like really cool. Uh, and then, I mean, they finally confirmed Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. They officially confirmed... Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, and you know, and we got our look at uh, some Thanos. Yes, concept Thanos art. concept art. Yeah, it was Which really was cool, super cool. Yep. Uh, but I don't know if I had the same reaction that you had okay. because it was like I know all this stuff already. Yeah. I mean, was there other than maybe Mjolnir? I didn't see any new information. I was just kind of like. Oh, they're they're just trying to get the hype up again, which you right. have to do. Which I think but, I think that was the thing. It's just like. You know, after years of watching these movies since 2008, it's just like it's like it's happening, mm-hmm. and in just over a year, we're going to be seeing the first part of it. Yeah, um, which is just it's it, it's just nuts to me. Which so that's why it just got me so excited because I was sure. like, after all <laughs> these years, Civil War got me so hyped because you get to see Spider Man and all the Avengers from all different factions Your all together, taste. and then they're like, you thought that was cool. Just wait till Infinity War because sure. we're going to bring the Guardians in. And like just to start it off with Iron Man, Spider-Man, and Star-Lord standing next to each other, 
I mean, that's pretty much all you can ask for. I mean, it's like the three heavy hitters, like the leaders of like the separate divisions of the franchise, almost in a sense. Yeah. And yeah, I, th- I just thought it did a great job of just reminding me why I love Marvel. You know, I don't feel like I need to be reminded about yeah. it, but I just like, it got me more excited than the Star Wars 8 title did. Oh, well, that's great. I mean, that's, this is arguably like the thing I've seen you get the most excited oh, about, yeah. which is fantastic. I I viewed it from the... I viewed it from the lens of context of news that we've been doing. Yeah. And it was, it was hard to look at other than like, oh, they're falling apart over here. Here's our successful stuff. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, it was good. I will, yeah. I will say that. I think it's, it's the newsy parts of it are more of like the concept artists seeing new looks at Thanos. He's totally. finally one of them. He's finally actually getting an infinity stone and putting it in his gauntlet. First time we've ever seen that mm-hmm. he's actually doing something. Uh, and then, yeah, like the concept of Rocket and Thor's next the first time we've ever seen anything like that. First time we've seen Thor with his brand new weapon, which will have to be explained later on. So I just, yeah, I think it's just a great way to just kind of let people know, okay, this is coming and yeah. it looks really cool. And there's, there, I mean, the whole video, there's a lot of other like details behind it. There's a concept art of another planet with, I think it looks like Iron Man flying away from it. Um, they have like poster cards. They have like trading cards of all the characters. We see Rocket, Scarlet Witch, Winter Soldier, and Falcon, which means obviously they're already going to be in the movie. Um, I think there's a lot of cool these Just remind you, this is all happening, and in just over a year, you're going to see the first part of it. Yeah, they're 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 teeing it up for the home run. Yes. So here we go. Um, and sticking with Infinity War. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 set visits dropped uh, this week. The embargoes did. And as part of it, Screen and I was there with a bunch of other news outlets to talk to Kevin Feige, James Gunn, uh, the whole cast. And they asked him about Than- They asked uh, Kevin Feige about Thanos and then if he's going to have a role in Guardians. He has not. That's been confirmed multiple times. But they did ask him about his role in Infinity War because obviously after building him up since the Avengers, you have to pay him off in a big way. And... Kevin Feige says he's basically the main character. Ooh. So I think that sounds awesome because mm-hmm. if it's like almost a Thanos-centric movie, I'm in. Yeah. There, I mean, there's nothing wrong with giving Josh Brolin uh, as much room to work as possible. Yeah. And I think you even pitched that to me once or at least talked about how yeah. you'd love to see him get 30 minutes of screen time by himself before engaging with right. the rest of the people to build that character. And that's what... With this and the fact that, like, I don't think you can take away the fact that on the first day of filming, Iron Man, Spider-Man, and Star-Lord are all filming together. That means that's the first. That's obviously not where the movie's going to start. Uh, that's probably, that's a scheduling thing of, okay, all, this is the only time we can have these guys here, so we have to film these scenes where they're mm-hmm. together. Um, but the way I'd like to see it play out is, basically, we start the movie with Thanos, and he's finally, you know... He has the glove in hand, and he's finally going to go out and get the stones himself. And then he goes to Xandar, gets the power stone. He goes to Asgard, gets... If they have an Infinity Stone there, um, then he goes... Uh, where are the other Nova ones? Nova Corps. He goes still to, have one, I think. Yeah, that's on Xandar. He goes to the Collector oh. and gets the Aether, yeah. uh, which is the power... Not the power stone. It's the Reality Stone. And then it just kind of... It, I think it'd be really cool if we just follow Thanos from place to place, watching him you know, wreck Xandar to get one, you know, confront the collector. And then along the way, the guardians come in, they interfere. He, he already has one or two, uh, infinity stones, knocks them down without a problem. And then it's him traveling to earth, getting to earth, getting, you know, the Ivagamoto 
killing Vision at the very end of the movie, finding the mysterious sixth Infinity Stone as well, and then coming into Avengers 4, it's really the movie's about him versus everybody else, and Infinity War is really him just gathering the stones. Yeah, with initial, kind of like kind of like earlier parts of uh, Age of Ultron. Like, right. it's the first act of a four-hour piece, Yeah, which would be really cool. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, uh, but we can speculate about how we that movie could play out all day. One thing we don't have to speculate about is some new casting for Han Solo with Variety reporting that Phoebe Waller-Bridge is going to play a key role in Han Solo that will largely be CGI heavy. And while the role is initially very vague in what it could be, Jeff Snyder then said on Meet the Movie Press that she'll be playing the, quote, first female droid in Star Wars history, unquote, which she later clarified to mean she's going to be the first prominent one because there have been other side droids that are technically female, even though it's a droid, so how do you really classify gender? But... Anyways, (laughs) Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> the first uh, the first female voiced yes. one with a prominent role, and I was gonna say like I was shocked to even learn that there hadn't been one. Yeah, uh, but then I thought about it, I'm like, oh, you're right. I can't think of anybody. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if maybe because like my expanded universe, like mine melded with the Star Wars universe right. for a second. But this is, is great. Is, is there one in the expanded universe that oh. she could maybe be playing? No. I mean, no? not that they would ever bring back. Okay. Like, you know, two, or K2SO was a perfect creation. Right. Like, creating anything like that uh, would be great. But she is very funny. Like, Alan Tudyk type funny. Okay. Um, she's on a show called Fleabag mm-hmm. that streams on Amazon Video. And I, I watched, like, the first three episodes. I couldn't get into it. Okay. But she, she acted the heck out of it and was super funny. Um, it's like British comedy dry mm-hmm. wit, uh, which I love. Uh, so she, I think she's teed up to be perfect for the Star Wars humor that they, you know, they rely on so well. Um, C-3PO, she's like C-3PO over a K-2SO, like a perfect middle ground. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think, I feel like she'll, since it is CGI, I feel like she's going to be like, be like K-2SO where mm-hmm. she's going to do the stand in. Maybe she'll. I think they'll change up her form, obviously, a little bit, just so she's not an exact replica of K2SO. Correct. Um, so, but I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know Phoebe Waller-Bridge, but I like the fact that they're bringing in a female-voiced robot or droid because yeah. it's just, you know, it's something different. It brings something else uh, to the table, to the Han Solo movie, <laughs> which yep. I think we I think we're ready for. Yeah, blows me away. I just, we haven't had that yet. Crazy. Yeah, and if that wasn't enough Han Solo casting, we also got news from Variety that Thandi Newton is also now in talks oh, to join in boy. an unknown role. Yes. Um, Westworld, I've ranted about it for a while. I've talked about her performance because she is the best um, out of all of it. Fierce, uh, just so great at com- conveying these like complex emotions of, I'm a robot, I have to feel what I feel, but also I'm confused about how I feel. Like It's so good. And she's going to be in Star Wars. Yeah. This is perfect. Like a villain. I hope to see her as a villain, like an Imperial mm-hmm. officer. I think that would be perfect. Have, do you have any experience with her yet? Yeah. I mean, I, my, the one I always think of is she, I mean, the first one I always think of is pursuit of happiness where she's, the, she's in that she is the, they're not divorced. I don't think, but she's the wife to Will Smith. Uh, because at first, the first time I saw, it, I thought it was Zoe Saldana and I was like, Oh, I didn't know Zoe Saldana's in this. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's not Zoe Saldana. So wow, she's not. I never caught uh, that. But then she's also in Mission Impossible 2, I believe, uh, where she's part of Ethan Hunt's team and the one that 
uh, tries to seduce the villain of the film and everything. Oh, I haven't seen the Mission Impossible's, but okay. Like, like any of them, or? Yeah, I think I can say I've not seen any of them. Not even five. I, like, not even Ghost Protocol or Rogue Nation. Wow. Yeah. Well, Mission Impossible Six comes out next year, I think. So you have to get on that because they're pretty good. Mm. Um, unless you're just like you, you seem against Tom the Cruise, idea. Man, I, I have a I have a hard time getting over that. But you don't like Tom Cruise? Not even like as an action guy. I he fits. He's in this mold of uh, we get him for all these same action movies. Uh-huh. Like, and so I, I love him in Top Gun, but everything else, and especially after Jack Reacher, I. I I hesitate to give him a chance. Okay, wow. Learned, but anyway, learned some interesting things about Josh the last couple of weeks. Doesn't like aliens and doesn't like Tom Cruise. No, I don't like aliens as in the movie. Yeah. I love the franchise. Um, that but is an interesting take as well. Back to Thandie <laughs> Newton. Back to Thandie Newton. What do you think? I mean, is this perfect? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's a great addition. I think it just further shows like that cast is crazy. Yeah. And like I saw somebody today's like, you look at Han Solo, you have Elden Ehrenreich, Donald Glover, Amelia Clark, Thandie Newton, uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Woody Harrelson, and I feel like I'm missing somebody. No, I think that's it. Okay. All those people, you have the uh, Oscar-nominated cinematographer from Arrival in Bradford, Bradford Young. Young. Yes. You have the directors and writers of Lego ba- of the Lego movie and 2122 Jump Street. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have the guys, like you have the the Kasdans writing it, like that's pretty incredible. The guy who came up with Han Solo right. is involved, which is perfect. Uh, yeah, uh, Han Solo, man. Yeah, I mean, I uh, since we don't really know anything about this, I kind of interested to see her play the villain, mm-hmm. unless it's Amelia Clark, or whatever. But yeah, I think it's I think it's a great addition uh, to the cast as long as she's not like. Mrs. Uh, like Lando, like yeah. just Lando's mom or something. Like <laughs> that could be funny, but I, I, <laughs> I just don't want to see like yeah. you know. Right. I feel Wasted. like you don't have to introduce everybody's parents yes, in the Star Wars movies. So uh, let's move on to DC. The the topic of fun around yeah, here. Yeah, the Batman movie that we've talked about a lot over the last couple of weeks. Uh, a couple more updates. Some interesting. One pretty good. Uh, the first update we got early in the week was uh, from an article on Forbes by Mark Hughes uh, where he really broke down the whole situation that's happened with the Batman. And he stated that he has heard that the script that was currently being rewritten by Chris Terrio based on the story by Ben Affleck and Jeff Johns could potentially do even more rewrites or start from scratch from a story perspective and wipe away Joe Manganiello being the villain as Deathstroke or any other thing they were considering. And initially, that was not even the only villain, according to this report, that was going to be in the movie. They were uh, going to include uh, Jared Leto's The Joker as well as multiple other villains as well would make appearances. However, after that came out, Justin Kroll Variety said that he's heard that everyone is happy with the script that Terrio just turned in, which he later clarified saying, but that doesn't mean that this is absolutely the version they're going to move forward with. Oh, uh, well, um, I, I, I have mixed feelings about uh-huh. this because I think Joe Manganiello and Deathstroke are a perfect one, two punch Agreed. for a villain, but I don't know how he, Deathstroke fits into a larger Batman film mm-hmm. other than not being by himself. 
Like he seems like a standalone villain. Right. So maybe the reworkings were to find a way to get him in there and then get the rest of these guys in there too. Because I heard they want to have an extensive uh, an extensive use of the rogue gallery for Batman. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like Deathstroke's always been a hired gun, basically. So regardless of how... I feel like he's still going to be the main guy because otherwise his first appearance is coming up in Justice League is going to be kind of useless if he doesn't yeah. if it doesn't pay off to of do course. anything. Um, so, yeah, I feel like whoever it is, they'll just have him be, you know, the hired gun to some other mysterious villain. Somebody else hired him, and that'll be like a reveal in the third act where somebody else is, you know, has hired him to try to take out Batman. Ooh, I just hope they don't make that like the Joker because that would so not be his style. I mean, I feel like that would probably be what DC was going to go for. Oh, like, oh, man. I can't imagine the Joker wanting to pass up a chance to go toe-to-toe to the bat, but... Well, I mean, he can't really go toe-to-toe with him. Well, yeah, that's true. I, he I needs, feel like if he... he him hiring Deathstroke, who is just as like calculative as Batman, I feel like that's a good way to try to take him out, and then you kind of sit back, watch, and then eventually, you know... Deathstroke realizes that maybe he doesn't want to kill Batman. They're so similar. Yeah. He wants to go be a, a hero almost. And oh. You never know how it could go. What do you think of the possibility of a, a Batman Deathstroke team up movie against? Uh, the only way I could, I would like that. And I almost don't like this idea at the same time. <laughs> would sure. be if Batman, it's like basically like Arkham Asylum in a sense where, Batman's trapped in like Bell Rave, mm-hmm. uh, and so is Death. Like Deathstroke has recently been brought in, but he hasn't had the chip put in, so he's still on his own control. Uh, and then Batman and him both try to break out, and then they event they have to decide to team up together to try to break out of the prison. And they have to fight all the different baddies that are in there, including some ones we haven't seen before. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't, I don't feel like that's the way they'll go. I feel like it'll just be. I don't know. I mean, obviously, we don't know where they're going to go because they could potentially completely scrap the story of and course. start from scratch. So, I don't think this is necessarily the best news. Um, but if it does mean, I do think there's a way to spin it where if they do scrap the story altogether mm-hmm. and they do rewrite it from page one, I think it's either a cause for concern because they're doing the same thing with Flash, and that means they have no idea what to do with both movies, or it means that they actually have some idea of what they want to do moving forward. And they're looking at both films going, okay, here's how these films can fit into our new direction. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe they, and then maybe like, you know, the line goes, they threw out some good stuff because they found some better stuff. Right. And that's highly possible because there was no mention of the story getting tossed out. Well, mainly just. It could. That's what, I mean, Mark Hughes said that they could potentially scrap the story and start from scratch as well. Right. Not just the script. But if Kroll's correct and mm-hmm. the story's still in place that Affleck wanted to take this yeah. thing. And then the finer points and the um, the nuances of the film have changed, you know, somewhat. We could still be looking at a, a Ben Affleck Batman, just not directed by him. Yeah. I mean, it, it's possible. I still think that we're still at least waiting until 2019. I know people, based on what we're going to talk about next, are like, they could still start production in the next, like, two months. I'm like, that means that the new director doesn't have any say. Uh, and the new director is... Now, officially, well, not officially been confirmed by Warner Brothers in D.C., but according to multiple outlets and multiple sources, Matt Reeves is going Ah, to agree, or he has agreed to direct the Batman. Perfect. Well, is it good? Are we good? 
I I mean he's a great he's a great choice. Yes. But the there is still the caveat where can Matt Reeves be the one to help steer the ship or is he going to get caught up and basically push to Sonic every other director? Possibly. But if you bring in Matt Reeves, he's arguably the the most prominent director that they've grabbed. Zack Snyder maybe. I mean, and he has a great relationship with WB too. Yeah, so. absolutely. It, he's delivered he's delivered for them twice now mm-hmm. and then thrice, soon to be thrice. Yeah. Uh so it it's hard it's hard to say, "Oh, Matt, no. Do it do what we want you to do." Right. No. Him 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 and Affleck in a room for, you know, a week then we got a Batman movie in a week. I don't want. Well, I don't want that. The metaphor is they're gonna they're gonna get this nailed down. Right. See, I think if it is like if they announce, you know, if they officially announce that he is officially on board, and then they slide in that note in like the press release that uh, that they are going to start production. Like we have met, we've hired Matt Reeves to direct the Batman movie, which is going to start production in three weeks. I'm gonna go. Oh, well, okay. Okay. yes. Uh, that's not cool because Matt, and Matt Reeves is literally has like no say mm-hmm. because that means that they're just moving forward with the Chris Terrio script and that he is just going to be directing other people's material. Which I would like to see him put his his bring his flavor to Batman. Yeah. Um. So if he can do that, I think it's great. If they would announce this initially, like a couple of years ago, before they had brought on Ben Affleck to direct, I would have been sold. Totally. So, but just because of everything that's happened recently and with this project in general, I'm still a little hesitant to, you know, jump right back in and go, yeah, DC, I'm I'm totally looking forward to the Batman sure, sure. because I'm, you know, it's like a, it's like a relationship where if you get you get burned too many times, after a while you're gonna go into a relationship hesitant and say, well, I, mean, I don't yeah. wanna, I don't want to get hurt again, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna try to distance myself a little bit. Um, I I I, I hear you, but think of it like this. Matt Reeves is the guy that's always been there for you. That's true. And it's, he's, he, if he's on board now, he's going to keep the evil forces at bay. I hope and, so. Uh, I hope so too. But so. I, I, it's the light at the end of the tunnel of all this for me. Yeah. Now we just need a director for the flash and we can finally, the DC slate that's been announced can finally kind of move forward a little yeah, bit. You, and then you and I can move on from this ongoing. <laughs> yeah. But as long as once that, once that director is found, they don't, you know, start, they you don't know. can him too. Yeah, they don't can another director. They don't can Matt Reeves, or they don't you know hire a new director for uh, hire a first director for Cyborg or Shazam or something, and then they can them, or they announce right. some other new spinoff movie for uh, Killer Croc or something. Like as long as they don't, as long as they start making good decisions, then we can kind of uh, move past all this negativity, which I am very much looking forward to happening, and hopefully yeah. one day, well, very soon. Uh, yeah, same here. So how about some positive DC? Yeah things yes we got lego batman movie this week uh which i'll say before we even get to the review uh if flash is still looking for a director chris mckay who directed the lego batman movie has said he wants to do a dceu movie i mean he definitely understands superheroes and knows how to poke fun at them and i think if you bring him into flash i feel like he'd knock it out of the park um but we'll yes. have to wait and see yeah but anyways lego batman movie it's the spinoff for Will Arnett from the from the Lego movie, and I think it might be even funnier than the Lego movie. Ooh, because it's so self-aware. We're just like every single second they're just poking fun at Batman. They're poking fun at superhero movies. They're poking fun at 
WB's company as a whole yes. sometimes. <laughs> yes. uh, I think it, it was just so funny, and I was just laughing throughout the whole thing pretty much. The voice cast from Will Arnett to Michael Sarah to Zach Galifianakis to Rosario Dawson, uh, all tremendous. Yeah, uh, Ralph D. Fiennes, too. Absolutely. Like. And Billy D. Williams. Yeah, reprising his role as Two Face. That was perfect. Yeah, a lot of lot of good cameos in there, and Michael Sarah for me was definitely the standout because I mean him as yeah, uh, <laughs> him as Dick Grayson, Nightwing, Robin, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> was so so good. Uh, he had my favorite line of the movie, which we'll get to uh, later on, but. I think the thing that stood out to me was just that they weren't afraid, even as WB, the company who, you know, makes the the Batman movies, is trying to make a Batman movie, as mm-hmm. we've talked about many times. They weren't afraid to just kind of take punches at him and how he's, you know, he's a guy who is very much internal. He doesn't like help from anybody else. Um, and there was a great dynamic between Batman and Joker and trying to explore well, I, I fight around. What do you want me to do? Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like a romantic subplot, but they never actually went there. Mm-hmm. They're very much like Joker's trying to be in a relationship and Batman's still trying to stay distant. And, yeah. you know, it's just a great <laughs> dynamic to see Joker. Okay. Well, how can I get him to like me? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> or no, hate, or hate, hate him. Yes. yes. Which is the great line as well. Um, <laughs> the one thing I'll say, the jokes were so good that when I wasn't laughing, it felt weird because mm-hmm. like it's so rapid fire where there's so many of them where then eventually there comes a point where it kind of gets more serious, a little more heartfelt. And I was like, just kind of waiting. I was like, when, yeah. when, when's the next joke? Right. And I feel like that hurt it almost in a sense where it was so funny at times for like for long periods of time where mm-hmm. when that, you know, that comedy wasn't there, it felt like a different movie. Yeah. And I do think the story is not as strong as the Lego movie uh, because the Lego movie is very much just, you know, it's, it's a very simple story. It brings in the elements of the Legos living in the real world. They kind of allude to that a little bit yeah, uh, in the Lego Batman movie, but they never like really go all in on mm-hmm. that. Um, so I think those were two areas where I think it could have been improved upon, but it was so funny and so creative. And I feel like it's the second best Batman movie I've ever seen. Uh, behind the dark night that it's gotta be one it, it as of right now it's the best movie i've seen in 2017 and it's gonna get four and a half ticket stubs out of five yeah okay well fantastic i mean before i go a thousand percent agree with you i'll uh-huh. go ahead and get my dig out of the way okay. here too and it was along the lines of the seriousness when you weren't laughing and when you weren't watching some you know batman kick some butt with robin it was slow and it lacked this dramatic pacing mm-hmm. or this high tempo pacing that the Lego movie initially right. had. And I noticed, I'm like, they're not playing music and they're not making jokes right now. They're just kind of Legos doing something. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that choice was or, you know, how it ever, how it kind of played out. But I was like, oh, this kind of feels dull. But then the jokes would start. Mm-hmm. Batman would start beatboxing again. Right. And then the rap would happen. And then I'm like, oh, here we go. Let's do this. But... Uh, to follow up with what you said about how self-aware it was, it was, it was so self-aware. Because, I mean, it was so it was Bat- Batman satire, which is what I wanted, and it, that's exactly what they did. I mean, from 
I mean, kind of getting meta with acknowledging uh, that the, every Batman movie sort of has the same plot right. <laughs> in, in a lot of the ways. And uh, Ralph finds uh, Alfred kind of like, sir, are you, are you feeling sad? And he's like, no, I'm, I'm not. He's like, well, I've seen you go in similar stages in 2016, 2008, 2012, 2004, and then in like the 80s. And he's yeah. like, and, and there was weird. that really weird part in the 60s. Yeah. Adam, and they show, the Adam, they show Adam West doing some weird like interpretive uh-huh. dance as Batman. <laughs> and that's where I just lost it there. Uh, but this movie did a better job conveying what Batman's about than... Uh, any other than Nolan, mm-hmm. than Burton, than uh, I mean, arguing whatever, and you know, way better than whatever Snyder tried to pull in right. uh, fifteen. Uh, like just this, Batman's a loner. He's sad about his parents dying, so he fights crime. And they they, they simplified it. It didn't need to be anything else, and that was what's up. And I, and I loved that, um, especially when it came out in him fighting the Joker, because the Joker thinks, oh, we have something special, right. and then Batman's like. No, we don't. I'm a loner. Yeah. <laughs> Even when I fight criminals. Uh, but yeah, when you're when you're not laughing, you're like you're adoring mm-hmm. um Robin played perfectly by Michael Sarah. Uh and his his ability to make him make to lend his voice to like this wondrous little kid yeah. that I I thought was so perfect. Um Rosario Dawson and as Barbara Gordon. Uh, that dynamic was super funny. I didn't see the like Batman being awestruck by her mm-hmm. coming, but I loved it because like then it made it, it created this love hate because he's like, oh, I, I want I want to date you, but you're also saying everything I totally disagree right. with. <laughs> like stop it, which was uh, totally funny. Um, and so yeah, all in all, I'm right there with you a little bit, but four ticket stubs out of five. Uh, so there we go. Can I? Can I talk about a couple of my favorite things? Yeah, of course. Um, I know you've got one line with Michael Sarah, and I hope I don't steal it. Okay. But two things that I loved the most was when Michael Sarah was asking Bruce Wayne how to get adopted at this gala. <laughs> yeah. And the conversation goes like, oh, what should I do? And Batman's not paying attention at yeah. all because he's... He's tra- eyeing Barbara Gordon. Yeah, yeah. he's eyeing Barbara Gordon. And finally... Uh, they get they get to one line where he's like, uh, "What's your name, kid?" And he's like, uh, "Richard," but my friends call me Dick. And then <laughs> Bruce Wayne's like, you know, follows up with, "Yeah, kids can be cruel." Yeah. I was kind of surprised that was why I was in the movie. Yeah, and I, I mean, I saw this with my family, uh-huh. and my mom was sitting there next to me, and she just started laughing like crazy with it. I'm like, "You thought that was funny?" I'm like, yeah. it's, "It's funny." I just didn't think you'd think it was funny, right? Uh, and then Bane's British accent, they uh-huh. they mock, they subtly they subtly mark mocked tom hardy oh, yeah. so hard with that and i didn't think there's nothing to mock with tom hardy but no, he's uh, great but, bane but the accent was british yeah and they they used they played that up so much uh that when you know batman <laughs> punches him and he's just like <laughs> that was hardly unnecessary yeah. it was just i was i lost it there and uh so th- those are my two favorite parts. Yeah, Doug Benson is the guy that uh voiced Bane and yeah. he, he he did a great job at Bringing something new to it, but also definitely mocking mm-hmm. uh, what Tom Hardy did in Dark Knight yeah. Rises. The line for me, I I don't know, it's it's mainly because I think of how my, Sarah says it and the way Robin's face is and kind of the situation where it comes. Uh, but Batman's kind of laying out all the all the do's and don'ts and the policies of being a hero and everything. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Robin just goes, 
well, what's the policy on cookies? <laughs> <laughs> and I just lost it. I don't know why. Yeah. But from that point on, I was laughing. Any, No matter what they said next, I was laughing because yeah. I was just so, that, I thought that was so funny. <laughs> um, and like, I know when I watch yeah. that, every anytime I watch that movie, that part will always make me laugh because yeah. it was just like, it was so like random and perfect where he's like, well, what about cookies? And like, <laughs> I love cookies. So I was like, yeah, what are the policies on cookies for superheroes? And then Batman follows it up with unlimited. Yeah. And he starts throwing them all over the place. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah that, that was, was definitely perfect. my favorite line. Um, we, there's not really any spoiler thoughts really to get to. No. Uh, I mean, the plot revolves around Batman after, you know, he makes Joker cry, which I, that was unbelievably oh, unexpected yeah. and sad, especially Zach Galifianakis. Uh, pulling that off he struck the tone between normal person and joker mm-hmm. really well uh but batman wants to send the joker to the phantom zone yeah and then uh the joker kind of assembles the greatest villains that from, wb can assemble yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> oh yeah that's right uh because i never thought of that because they own they own voldemort they, they own, own new godzilla, line cinema which is yeah uh just godzilla and uh uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Lord Sauron. of the Rings. Yeah, Sauron was there. They had the Wicked Witch of the West. Mm-hmm. Harry um, Potter's Voldemort. Yep, and then like they had the sea monster, which I thought was a big missed opportunity because since they also own Godzilla, they also yeah. own um, uh, King Kong. King Kong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was like, oh, are they going to do like a mini go- like Kong versus Godzilla thing right now? And yeah. I was like, no, oh, they, that's not, that's not Godzilla. They pushed it off. Um, but I thought that, I thought that would have been really really funny. Yeah. If they would have done that as well, just to kind of throw it in, like, just a reminder, twenty twenty, we have this movie coming out where these guys are gonna fight. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like when <laughs> when like Sauron like dies, yeah, and then like the sea monster's is <laughs> like eye. nothing to see here, just gonna <laughs> slip away, <laughs> back into the sea. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of the Phantom Zone, my fi- one of my top parts though is when Batman shows up at Bruce Wayne's for Bruce Wayne's uh, Superman's. Fortress of Solitude, yes. and he's like, "Yeah, it'll be really easy. I'll distract Superman because yeah. he's, he's another, he doesn't have he's a loner just here. like me." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Batman opens the door to the place, and then turns out Superman's having a Justice League fifty yeah the fifty seventh like consecutive anniversary party yes. or something, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, Batman, you're here. Uh, your email just must have got lost yeah. in the mail," <laughs> and it was so good because like, yeah. everyone's just trying to cover up, cover it up, and it's. Mm-hmm. That was perfect. Yeah, we got Channing Tatum back as Superman. We got uh, Jonah Hill back as uh, Green Lantern in that mm-hmm. scene, which begs the question: since you know Lego Batman was a spinoff of the Lego Movie, where should this go next? We know we got Ninjago coming at the end of the year. We have the Lego Movie two in twenty nineteen, I believe. So, what's next? What do you? What would you want to see next from the Lego universe? Well, man. I I I think Star Wars is like what my gut tells me mm-hmm. because I love it so much and there's so much to make fun of oh, yeah. you know with that but I don't know if Lucasfilm would let that go yeah. ahead uh, without getting a massive cut of mm-hmm. profits there uh, but picking up on the 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 like the New Zealand type middle eve middle medieval type yeah. stuff I would love to see some Lego Knights stuff go down. Like yeah. Middle Ages jokes. And... Do it like Monty Python kind of. Oh, yes. Perfect. Yeah. I think that's a good one. Uh, the one I heard a suggestion for was uh, giving Channing Tatum Superman his own movie. Ooh. Why else do you have Channing Tatum in that role? Uh, I feel like that'd be a great thing to do. There's a lot to poke fun of with Superman right now, mm-hmm. I feel like. So there's definitely stuff to go on there. 
Um, and I feel you can make that movie. I mean, it's not going to come out next year, but you could do another doubleheader for Lego in 2019, do Lego Movie 2, and then the Lego Superman movie. Uh, I think that'd be that's the one as of right now, along with I like the Marvel Knights uh, one as well. Yeah. To do those ones, uh, just to kind of spin off the universe even farther. But hopefully, I want to see them explore kind of more of the idea of that they are all living in this fake world mm-hmm. that's being run by Will Ferrell's family. Right. <laughs> so how how does that all play together? Who knows? But uh, oh yeah, I'm definitely interested to see more. Um, I loved the joke that they made. Like basically, like the the geologist is like, right. if if they blow this bomb up, now <laughs> this is the theory is that we live on two pieces of cardboard, yeah. and if that'll split the board in half, and we'll all we'll fall go into to the, the abyss. abyss. And then like when they showed the abyss, it's like a bunch of like Legos, yeah, uh, all just like just like not put together, which I thought I thought that was a good touch. Yeah, and then he's like, and apparently it smells like dirty underwear. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, definitely recommend it. Even whether you're a Batman fan, whether you're looking for something to take your kids to, whether mm-hmm. uh, whatever your preference is for a movie, I think Lego Movie, the Lego Batman movie, will suit your needs uh, perfectly. But we'll move on to John Wick Chapter Two. The Boogeyman is back. It's not the official subtitle, but it should have been. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. So, what did you think of John Wick? Well, Number I was two. I was late to the party. Um, I got to see John Wick by getting a lens from you this yes. summer and blown away by it. Couldn't believe I missed it after making fun of it uh, the entire marketing time, mm-hmm. you know, and when it came into theaters. I was like, oh, Keanu Reeves just shooting a gun really intensely. I don't need to see yeah. that. But then I watched it. The, the, changed your life. It ch- changed <laughs> it. It, it. It did. I mean, from the, the, the get-go from the premise – was just has me hooked yep. and i think that's the reason this movie succeeded by word of mouth you know moving yeah. on and the beginning of this was perfect too because i saw it with my brother who didn't quite he hasn't seen the john wick initially and i was trying to just describe it to him but then the movie starts and then the opening like basically takes the boogeyman legend mm-hmm. and just puts it right there in front of you for you to revel in at you know two years later three years later and it's like oh this is perfect mm-hmm. it's um them kind of talking about oh John Wick got set off because somebody killed his dog and that's what I remember from the initial mm-hmm. I mean that's that's the premise and I loved that uh, but John Wick two is the choreography I mean it really boils down to plot and choreography of the gun battles and both are one is fine the other is amazing and watching John Wick just go on a tear you know, uh, uh, like 40, 50 people in some scenes just get gunned down in the most elaborate ways possible Mm -hmm. (laughs) is insanely awesome. I thought I did great to build on the Wick, the Wick universe, the the continentals that are internationally Mm -hmm. placed and watching, you know, people just show up like, uh, I need to see the tailor who's going to fit me for body armor. And then I need to stop in and, you know, see the guy to fit me with, you know, like, a ton of weapons mm-hmm. all all so casually I, yeah that's my that's one of my favorite elements to this um i was a little disappointed that i didn't get to see some Lawrence fishborn you know as much as possible but that may be intentional um and i just love how these movies now take you for a ride this there's a slow build once we get past the prologue but then as soon as john wick picks up a gun he doesn't put it down yeah. and you, you, the movie doesn't slow down. And I think it's about an hour and 50 minutes, two hours. Uh, I think it's just over two. And 
I couldn't believe how fast this movie started and ended, you know, at least in perception Mm -hmm. because I was like, Oh, show me more. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And, uh, blown away by how great it was. I have, um, a couple digs, uh, specifically with a couple characters. Um, but we'll get to that once we drop out of, you know, the summary here, but Mm -hmm. overall super impressed loved it a ton i want the dog that john wick adopted uh that he's just he was so cool uh and yeah um i'm gonna give it four and a half ticket stubs as well okay uh yeah i mean i'm obviously a big uh supporter of the john wick franchise uh even though i i didn't see the first one in theater that caught on like red box or something but ever since then i was i was hooked Mm -hmm. uh and i this was, I think, my this was in my top five. I think most anticipated of the year, so I had very high expectations for it. And I think it's another worthy installment to the franchise. There's, I mean, like you said, the fight choreography is amazing. The the gun foo that they've basically that they've coined that phrase pretty much. Oh, and that's a good phrase. there's there's a lot of it in there. I mean, uh, Chad Stileski, the director, said that they're going to d- double down on the action. And they definitely did because. When once the fight scenes happen, there, I don't think there's more fight scenes technically, but when they start, they last for a long time. Uh, you can definitely tell that this is working on a bigger budget because you know they're in Rome for part of it. Uh, it just it doesn't feel as much as as an indie film in a sense. It's more expansive. Uh, there's lots of different locations, lots of different characters, um, which I think might have hurt it a little bit because it's not, I don't think it's as focused a film as the first. And I, I, that's a hard thing to do because John Wick, the first one, is so focused where, you know, it's very simple. John Wick lost his dog, he lost his car, and he lost his wife right before. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to get revenge. And you're yeah. like, I'm in. It's it's universe building here. Right. And, you know, it's, from that point on in that movie, it's, it's, it's very straightforward. I'm going after the sun. I'm going after the henchman. I'm going after the dad. And that's how the movie plays out, basically. And, you know, when that movie is completed, you feel good. You're like, way to go, John Wick. Yeah, you, you did, did it. You did. you did it. And I support you, even though you killed hundreds of people. <laughs> um, and this one, there's a lot of different elements brought in. Like the prologue picks, I mean, the movie picks up like four days after the first one. So we guess him get his car back. I think you almost could have expanded that idea to make it a full film. Uh, just see him, you know, it was so focused on, I'm going to get, you know, revenge for the death of my dog. And you do that. And then the second film is, well, I got my new dog. Now I'm going to get my car back. And then it's him, uh, trying to find the car going and killing all these people. I mean, that, that opening sequence is awesome. Yeah. Um, and instead, I mean, I mean, I don't think it's a fault necessarily to go bigger in a sequel because I mean, that's what a lot of them do. But for me, I just I kind of missed the personal story that was attached to John Wick, where in this one, for the first half of the film, he's not driven by his own motivations. He's driven by, you know, this other guy who is basically forcing him to do this deed for him because he has, you know, a. Uh, he has like a blood oath basically with John Wick to he can use it anytime that this is what he decides to use it. So I didn't love that, but I mean, I, I was there for the action. The action delivered. Absolutely. I agree with you that I wish I could see more of Lawrence Fishburne. I was surprised of how little he was in the movie. Yeah. Um, but I, good, I, yeah, yeah, I liked it when he was on there, but I was just like, 
the trailers may seem like he's going to be a much bigger part of the film. Well, yeah, like and, he was a savior almost. Right, and he's in it for m- maybe five minutes. Yeah, that's being generous too. Yeah, um, but I would... I think the movie could have been shorter. I mean, the first John Wick's like an hour 30-something, hour 40. And so this one's 20 minutes longer, and I could kind of feel it in places where they're there's slow points that are obviously setting up something else to happen later on. And I think that's just kind of what happens when you bring in so many different characters, you bring in, you know, he has the one central threat for the first one, but then he turns and goes against the guy in the second, but he also, you know, you have to introduce Ruby Rose. You have to introduce common. You have to flesh out you McShane, uh, the continental, and then bring in the new continental and bring in all the different, you know, people that are giving him a new suit, giving him new guns, uh, telling him about his targets. And then, you know, there's just a lot more moving parts and it, it drags a little bit because of that. So mm-hmm. um, I don't love it as much as the first John wick, but that's hard to say. That's hard to do anyways. So I still, I still really liked the movie uh, and I'm going to get four ticket stubs out of five All also right. because I'm, yeah, I'm a little nervous about it moving forward. Oh, totally. Um, and maybe to go ahead and flush, flush that point out like real quick and basically wick, violates the rule of the continental mm-hmm. that you yeah can't... spoilers for the end of john wick oh yes thank you number two um, we already spoiled john wick so if you see uh he spills blood on continental grounds with another member and that sets off uh not only a bounty on his head or you know the account on his head but also uh he's excommunicated excommunicadoed and everyone everyone mm-hmm. is out there for him. And that's one of my favorite shots is him walking through the end of the park and realizing all these people have phones and everyone in this mm-hmm. park too was like all part of the elaborate sting operation. That was so cool. Yeah. Um, but you touched on a great point and that's one of the dislikes. I mean, I wrote Wick, John Wick goes pop culture. I mean, he's like you said, doesn't feel like an indie film anymore. It's, it's there to be its own universe. Uh, and the Empire Strikes Back of John mm-hmm. Wick, almost. Um, but I did have a problem with John Wick's initial premise, um, that he gets the blood oath from the brother, and when he finally makes his makes his way uh, to the sister, mm-hmm. she kills herself. Yeah. And I was, I was not about that at all. And I guess I... Do you... Can you explain to me why that happened? Why she killed herself? Yeah, because if she's supposed to be this you know, elaborate henchman, a part of this council of 12. Uh, and she's just like, oh, you're here. I'm just going to slip my wrists. Well, I, I, I don't, cause like she's not an assassin like John Wick is. She is more of a, a leader. So she knows she's in a room with John Wick alone. There's nothing she can do to stop him. He's going to kill her. So I, the way I took it was she killed herself because she wanted to go out her way. Yeah. And John Wick still finishes it, even though it's, unnecessary to do so but right. um yeah I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with her killing herself yeah i just felt like she was supposed to be like this powerful person and then wick shows up and she's like oh i'll kill myself for you to make it easier and i was like really you don't well, value your life that much i mean i feel like she the way the sense i had where she was she was recently put in that position of yeah. power oh, right it, so maybe she wasn't totally like thrilled to be there and she's like He's going to kill me. There's like, like, you have to understand in this universe, John Wick's the boogeyman. So mm-hmm. there's literally, you know, nobody that's going to stop him from killing her. So her, if she, if she gave a cry for help, 
boom, she's dead. If right. she tried to escape, boom, she's dead. There's nothing she can do. It's just basically her going and accepting her death and saying, well, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die my way. And so that's why that's why she did it. I yeah, think. I get I get that. I just it, it dug at me a little bit. That's, that's, and then my final complaint is Ruby Rose. I thought she was like this perfect addition to the movie, to the universe, to the to the trilogy, I guess, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Knocked off to. Couldn't believe it. Yeah, I didn't really love her character either. She's just like underused, I thought. Yeah, like I like the idea of the sign language thing, but they didn't really use that to mm-hmm. like the fact that she is mute. Like they didn't use that at all. Yep. It was just her just basically just going like you yeah. go this way, you go this way. And then like doing a couple of yeah. gestures to John Wick when they're trying to talk. But yeah, I mean, I, I was impressed with her. I liked, I liked common The I think one of my favorite parts of the movie was when him, like the subway the where they're, they're yeah, like, shooting the at each face. other while they're like walking through crowds of people. I thought that was, that was really, really well done. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think it's just part of the, the problem of trying to build this out too far where it was, it was such a, simple coherent story in the first one where the sequel and they're obviously trying to make it bigger to mm-hmm. move forward they want to push a little farther bring in more people and then they like they fleshed out Ian McShane who I feel like would have even a larger role in the third one they obviously brought in Lawrence Fishburne who I feel like would play another large role in the third one um, so I think I think there's there's pros and cons to it definitely. but yeah I was definitely uh, underwhelmed by Ruby Rose as well oh absolutely Am I missing anything? Is there anything? Um, what about what about some good? Is there any good parts that really blew you away outside of I that mean, subway I mean, track? The subway track. I liked the way that they, the the final, you know, the one the one where he was going to kill the the sister, where he you see him beforehand put guns here and here because he knows yeah the setup by this time I'm probably gonna be out of bullets, but I'm gonna have backups here. So I liked him planning that out. Um, I also liked the fight he has with Ruby Rose in like the all mirror room because that whole, it was, it was just super, it was, was yeah, it was super cool. Um, just because like, I, I don't know, you guys see other reflections of people, but also just the way, I don't know if they just really planned this thing out or they just used a lot of, you know, CGI correction, but you never see the camera at all. Yeah. And I, thought, I was like, I was like, that's pretty impressive. That's what I wrote here for that. I mean, I wanted to ask you, First of all, how did they shoot that in this house of mirrors where everything is? And then I thought about it even more. I'm like, how does anyone shoot a mirror scene? <laughs> you know? Right. Well, I mean, like most of them, like they're not, they're not like you and me were sitting directly across from each other. Mm-hmm. So we're not, they're not filming them straight on. They're filming them, you know, from the side. It's that way. If they get the mirror, there's not that reflection of them for most of it. But like, there's definitely shots where there's, you know, they're in like a corner of mirrors where if you're staying anywhere near those, you'd be able to see them. Um, so they definitely did some CGI correction and, you know, eliminated the camera people. But I thought that was just a really nice touch. Super impressive. I, I was blown away by that entire sequence. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the ending, um, I would have liked to see them do basically a huge cliffhanger ending. And right after John Wick kills the brother in the Continental, just cut it. Faded black. And then you're just like, you're, like you, you leave that theory going. Oh crap! Either he's got to kill everybody in the Continental, right? Or the, everybody in the Continental is going to try to kill him, and you're just kind of left wondering, well, what's going to happen next? Because he broke the rule about the Continental and the memberships there. So I was like, okay, 
I'll if you're gonna bring it if you're gonna you know kind of go out and explain it okay but yeah I, I'm worried about the third one because I don't love the idea that every single person is going after John Wick right yeah because then it's like well what <laughs> because even if he has friends like they obviously put a huge bounty on his head I, I don't know what exactly it was but it was seven million originally and now that he's excommunicado I feel like it has to be way more so even his friends like i know in the third one if he has help from a friend one of his friends are going to turn on him because they want the money so i'm just worried to see them go in that direction where it goes that makes the universe so much bigger because then john wick is literally the most wanted man in the world and he has a huge bounty on his head so you're going to see people just try to take him out who aren't assassins who are assassins um and i the thing I loved about the first John Wick was that it was so personal. It was mm-hmm. so small, so contained. And now they're just so quickly just blowing that out where I'm like, uh, please right. have a better plan than just going and saying everybody's John Wick's against the world. Mm-hmm. Basically. Uh, speaking of fade to black, I know I don't, I don't mean to cross the streams here, but the opening of Batman. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. was perfect. He basically mocks uh, Will Arnett mocking the opening of all the Batman movies prior. Yep. Black screen. Uh, yeah. Super important logos. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that means, but okay. Yeah. That one looks cool. Yeah. yeah. I would use that rack pack. I don't know. And then like every, every good movie ends with a white screen. Yes. Yeah, so and then like, the white. And then yeah. they have this, the Batman. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. Um, I was sold on the Lego Batman movie literally right from Will and I started commenting on the fact that we're on a black screen. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is genius. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, get back to Wick. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's gonna, it's going to be interesting to see how they play. They move things forward because you ended it kind of with a cliffhanger itself, right? but it's a much more high octane cliffhanger. It's mm-hmm. more, he's running out into the world when they pick up again, they're going to have to be, it's going to have to be all feet on the ground. And, you know, I've got confidence in mm-hmm. David Leach and uh, Chris Staple. Uh, it's it's uh, Stileski. Stileski, yeah. Is it Chris? Chad Stileski. Chad yeah. Stileski. David Leach yeah. isn't involved he anymore. He was EP, EP'd, though, I think, correct? Um, Maybe. I mean, he might have producer credit, but I don't know if he's actually, like, I don't think he's really involved. Right. There's, there's a producer, and then there's producer. Yeah. So I, I feel like he was just more of, like, since he started the first one, uh, I mean, even if, even if you watch John Wick, if when it's when it, like the title credits are going, it says directed by Chaz Tulesky. It mm-hmm. doesn't also say and David Leach because of you know crediting and everything. It's a right. big issue, but yeah, I, I mean, he, I feel like he's pretty much wiped his hands with the. I mean, he, I know he's at like the red carpet premiere and everything, but I don't think he has much say in what exactly yeah. is these movies are entailing. I mean, I've got confidence though, right, with these guys. To uh, I mean, even even if it is minor, you know, to get a to get an epic conclusion because I will say they didn't while they could have blown it way out of proportion they didn't blow it way out of proportion this time around I mean how can you blow it bigger than they end it with John Wick being the man to hunt down in the entire world and literally every person he walks by is seeing John Wick for you know Kill him for have X you, amount of money. Have you seen? Uh, you haven't seen any of the Resident Evil movies, have you? No. Oh, okay. You probably never say, will. We could have a, we could have the opening of like Resident Evil, uh, Resident Evil Three, and it, John Wick is basically the last man on Earth because he's decided to knock out so many people. But um, I feel like there's definitely that chance for like a really interesting fight scene. But I feel like it also go. Is it? 
in one of the Matrix sequels where it's him, where it's you know Neo versus all of the, you know, all the clones. All the Smith clones. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it just like uh, I feel like I feel like we're approaching that territory where then you start you know after the hour mark clears in John Wick three, then you're just worn out. It's just every single person colliding on John Wick, and then he has to kill off everybody. Yeah. And it's just like. It'd be cool for a moment, but then the fact that they would have to continue to do that basically for the entire time or have him basically be in hiding, mm-hmm. I just I don't know how they do it, but hopefully they have something very genius thought up, thought up for it. Yeah, I should mention, Wick 3 hasn't been confirmed No, it has not. it has not been greenlit. Um, but. Chad Selesky made that very clear this week, but I feel like you can't end it like that. Right. Especially, I, I, you know. I feel like if you did the if you did my ending where he just kills kills the brother and you end it, you could I you could get away with ending it there because then it's all just up to the imagination. But this is so purposefully leading up to some to the next chapter where I feel like you have to tell that story and it's gonna make enough money mm-hmm. unless they just like quadruple the movie's budget. Then like it's gonna make enough money to warrant another one. Totally. And speaking of Matrix and Agent Smith, those were in Batman too. I forgot about those guys being part That's of the That's right. Ones. Yeah. Yeah. So nobody good. nobody caught that though. Oh, I, I caught it. I like, yeah, I got it. But I don't I'm like nobody remember like, is anyone here old enough to remember the Matrix? Right. <laughs> is anybody yeah, is anybody here seen them? They wouldn't want to remember the Matrix. Yeah. I mean the first one for sure. Yes, definitely. The other ones maybe not so much. No. Um so yeah, I mean, are you on board for a third one? I'm, I'm on out? board. I mean, I was on board for anything with John Wick in the title. Once I, you know, I mean, they they have discussions the for a TV series. They have ideas for a TV series, which I don't know if that necessarily <sighs> means you do John Wick or if you do just a continental TV show where you bring in all these different assassins. Hotel of assassins. Maybe I like that idea, but the thing is, what makes the movie is the action. Right. I don't know if I'm intrigued enough by the plot yeah because i mean or the 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 world i love it because it's so thin and it has just a few rules Mm -hmm. hotels that arm assassins don't kill anybody in this hotel that's anything else fair game yeah yeah i love that yeah i think uh yeah i'm definitely still gonna see john wick 3 i mean i've been kind of i feel like i'm negative on this movie but i still like really enjoyed watching it it's just like there's parts that stick out to me going it's just not as good as the first mm-hmm. so um i'm definitely on board for whatever comes next for the franchise i'm hopefully we'll see a lot more from it uh, i would be totally on board for a miss perkins prequel movie with starring adrian Palicki, oh, yeah. i don't think that would ever happen uh it'd be great uh but yeah that's it that is all I have, except for speaking of the opening, the prologue, the legend of the boogeyman type, you know. Yes. How they shot the scene where Wick gets, his Mustang gets smashed on the side mm-hmm. and Wick comes falling out, stands back up and then gets going again. And it looks like it's all one shot. Yeah. I don't know how they did that, but it was so cool to see that play well, out. Well, like, you know, you know, the, uh, the part where common and, and uh, Keanu are fighting and they start tumbling down the stairs mm-hmm. that's actually them and like somebody asked kind of like how did you film that and they're like we did one take <laughs> oh man that <laughs> like is... that like that just it just that's the thing I really yeah. appreciate is Keanu was so committed to this movie and these roles that you know he's willing to literally fall down two flights three flights of stairs uh, and go through like months of gun training yeah. and fight choreography to you know make it be so he is the one to do all of it that it, i like we you know like the digs were for getting this movie big it still had its you mm-hmm. know at its core it's 
it stayed true to that. And yeah. that, that's, that's what really makes it endearing as much as a movie about a guy killing, you know, 80 people, 80 to 100 people, you know, can be. <laughs> right. Oh, and last thing, I also loved the quick cameo from the cop from the first movie, Jimmy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where he, after John Wick's house burns down, he's like, uh, oil leak? Mm-hmm. He's, he's like, like working he, again? Yep. Like, he's like, yeah, then he's like, ah, crap. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> At yeah. At the very end of it, he's like, yeah, he's like, this is not going to end well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, those are our reviews, uh, which means we're at the end of the episode. Uh, so during our time away, be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything we cover by tweeting us at Friends and Film, where you will receive updates on the podcast, moon news, and more. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Coops underscore Hoops. And you can follow me, Josh, at Just Joshua Ryan. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, if you want to be a real friend of the show, head over to iTunes, give us a five-star review with comments. Uh, about what you enjoy about us, what you think we could improve on. We're thinking about maybe changing up our formatting a little bit uh, to give you guys the big stories up top and do the flyby at the end for the reviews. So if that's something you guys would be interested in us doing and you think that would be more to your liking, definitely let us know. Uh, we are open to suggestions on pretty much anything So as long as you guys are going to listen. So uh, just let us know what you think before we sign off. Josh. What are we reviewing next week? Well, next week, it looks like, you know, as long as things go according to plan, we're mm-hmm. going to take on The Great Wall. Yes. Um, notably starring Matt Damon as he journeys into China to yep. defend them from some kind of monsters, dragons. Yeah, some lizard monster things. Ooh. So, yeah, that's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> the excitement is palpable. Yeah, it, we're you. definitely not as excited to do that as uh, we've done these these two today. But uh, I, I think it could be fun, depending on how you go into it. I mean, I, this this could open up the discussion next week for you know. There's that distinction of some movies like you know Fast and Furious, the franchise where. They're fun popcorn movies. Mm-hmm. But then there's movies like Transformers. are like, those are the scum of the earth. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, what's the distinction? So maybe we'll talk about that depending on the quality of The Great Wall. Who, for all we know, it's going to be the best movie of the year. Hopefully it is because you don't want you don't, you don't, you don't want anything to ever right. be bad. So uh, I'm a big fan of Matt Damon. Exactly. You never want to go into a movie that you just dropped $8 on and say, I hope this sucks. Yeah, I hope I, this you want terrible. this to be the best. Yeah, I don't think I've ever done that. Jack Reacher, I didn't know. No, I didn't want that to be bad. I like even into, even like Independence Day or like Huntsman. Oh, okay. I see. I'm sorry. I came out the wrong way. Yeah, I knew going in, going into Jack Reacher. You're right. I didn't want that to be bad. But yeah, I can't think of like one more. Of like, I hope this sucks. Right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's it for us, uh, Josh. Any last words? Thanks for stopping by, everyone. And thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Film podcast. Be sure to tune in next week for our review of The Great Wall.